Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So for the next couple hours, we're going to jump around on topics that I think a whole high percentage of the folks listening to probably would have an interest in or might be applicable to them to think. So here we go. And speaking of hype in, in terms of articles, here we go. So this is an article from Yahoo Finance entitled, I lost $400,000 of my retirement savings in a Roth 401k. If you're not careful, you could do that too. Oh, wow. How about that for sensationalism? Mm-hmm. And, Caught my attention. Yeah, and this article, by the way, was written by a lady, I believe, by the name of Nicole Spector. Okay, so I'm going to read a little, but a couple of quick introductory comments. I have for a very long time said that Roth IRAs are only appropriate for a very small percentage of people in the country, never mind those listening to this radio show, for a variety of reasons. And this article got into some details that I never even thought about that bolstered my feelings about mm. that's kind of interesting so I'm going to read a little bit and we'll comment on that and I I can't believe I didn't think about this but anyway so here's the deal okay let me skip to the end okay okay if you're in a high tax bracket now and if you're going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement okay then it makes sense to do a Roth IRA. I'm sorry, I apologize. Other way around. See, strike, strike I already that. messed strike up. That. Yeah. Reverse it. If yeah. you're in a low tax bracket now, okay, you're probably going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. If you're in a high tax bracket now, yeah, you may well be in the same tax bracket. But anyway, okay, the point of the article, which I never thought about, is that okay, on the current, whether you choose to defer your money in a regular 401k or IRA, or whether you choose to do a Roth, which basically you're paying with after-tax dollars. Okay, we're always talking about the marginal tax bracket, not the effective tax rate. Okay. Okay, and so let me read, and I'll cite some numbers here. And it's tough to do numbers on the radio, so I'm gonna keep it simple, but anyway. Excuse me. Finance and retirement planning experts are usually quick to recommend one set money aside in a Roth account. And it looks like the vast majority of Americans agree with them. A new survey hosted by Derek Saul, a personal finance expert. I got to figure out where you get that title. Okay, and the founder... I think you mail something into some, somewhere. Pay him yeah. 10 bucks? Maybe, and, yeah. yeah. Okay, something like that. Anyway, personal finance expert and the founder of Life and My Finances found that 92% of Americans think they should be investing in a Roth IRA. Sal, I think it's S-A-L, that I'd say it's Sal, Saul, I'm not sure. I don't know. Sal wasn't surprised by just how many people are of the belief that Roths are a financial must-have, okay? I estimated 
that 95% of people would say they should invest in a Roth. I wasn't too far off. It was 92%. Okay, but why? Why did I think the percentage would be so high? Simple. It's what I've heard all my life from every smart investor, from every influencer. Even Dave Ramsey himself, popular financial talk radio show, tells his millions of listeners to invest in a Roth. It's tax-free growth, they say. You'll have a tax-free money account in retirement. It's another common one, and taxes will likely go up in the future, so it's smart to invest in the Roth IRA. Okay, so, you know, if you can avoid taxes, okay, if you can take a tax deduction at 22 and pay taxes later at 10, you made out on the deal. If you deducted it at 10 and saved at 22 later, you didn't make mm-hmm. out on the deal. And I've always said that in retirement, <clears throat> most people are going to be in a lower tax bracket. So if that's the case, for most people, okay, it makes sense to take a, a deduction now, okay, by having that Roth, the 401k regular, mm-hmm. and then just pay taxes at a lower rate later. Okay, let's see. All right, so here we have the Okay, here we go. So the root of the problem, as Saul sees it, is that people assume <clears throat> that if they're paying 22%, on the money that's going toward a Roth today, they'll likely owe at least 22% on tax on other income in retirement. But that's perhaps not how it will pan out. Okay, so here's the numbers, and that's pretty interesting. <clears throat> you are way more likely to have a lower income in retirement than you have today, so you will likely be in a lower tax bracket in the future. You can see this from current retirees. Instead of earning a household income of 70784 which is the median household income in this country, so we're talking about like regular folks, okay, okay, they're just earning Okay, the median income, they're earning just 47620 After the standard deduction, they only owe $1,992 in taxes, okay, which is a 4.2% effective tax rate. Mm. People are just thinking about it. At the end, you get taxed on the highest rate. Right. So if you're in the middle of America with a $70,000 income, okay, <clears throat> you. by the way, you're in a 4% tax bracket when you take the tax and divide it by your gross income. That's your average, yeah, the average rate of tax. Yeah, the average rate of tax. And that's just federal, right? Yeah, so it's just federal and never mind state given Mm -hmm. the circumstances. So I I never thought about that before. You folks, uh, there's a dollar amount where you hit the 22% bracket and maybe you're at the high end of that. Maybe you're way by that and up to the next bracket. Okay, but my point is that if you think about what's my effective tax rate, they basically paid taxes on what 22 or 23, yeah. but saved, okay, your tax is 1,900 bucks, right. your $2,000. So if you look at what you really, forget your marginal bracket because only some dollars get taxed at that way. So it had nothing to do with the end, it was at the beginning, okay. You might be $4 into the 22% bracket on your income tax return and say, oh, I need a Roth IRA. If you blend out 
you know, some people pay taxes at nothing. We have the standard deduction. Some people, and then everybody pays, I think it's 10%, then 12%. I, I forget what the rates are. But yeah, the first, <clears throat> I don't know, the first 10,000 is at zero. Yeah. Then, but it's 10%. Yeah, yeah, we have a blended tax rate. If you're in the 22% bracket, some of your dollars was zero, some of your dollars was 10, some of your, so it's a blended kind of a thing, which is called the effective tax rates. So if you're going to do the math, about whether I should do a Roth or a deductible account right now, look at your blend. Look at your blended or your effective a- average, tax, or effective, a- average, yeah, yeah. and it's a whole lot lower than you think. The twenty-two. If you're fifteen dollars into the twenty-two percent land, by the way, I don't know what the math looks like if you were the very close to the next bracket there. But the point is, if you look at effective tax rates, it's always lower, okay, than the tax bracket you're looking at. So my, I've been bad-mouthing Roths for most people for a long time, and the math is so simple. I can't believe I didn't think about that, but it's just one of those things. You got a reaction about that? or? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, that makes sense to look at it that way. I yeah. think a lot of times you do focus on the high end and yep. being like, oh gosh, I'm in, yeah, I'm in that 22 or 24 or whatever bracket. Yep. And and then you get fixated on that that's what your money's being taxed at, but it really is just a small piece or potentially a small piece. Yep. And you got to look at, and you got to do some more math. One other thing I was thinking about is like with inflation and things like that, that perhaps somebody's expenses may might start being more in retirement and maybe they will have yeah. to start just on the other side, yeah. might have to start taking money. I, I think my thought on Roths is that it's a good hedge. Like yeah. I, I don't, I never tell everybody put all your money in a Roth. Yeah. I think it's a good idea to do a little, do a little bit of both. Yeah. Just because of that unknown about what the future tax code may may do. Yeah, and I understand that. And for, so, folks, we're speaking generically yeah. here. That's good how it is, obviously. But yeah, so the, my take on those comments, which are, yep, they work for some people, but for most people, okay. So if the government's gonna raise taxes, who are they going to pick on? Retired folks in IRAs? Probably not. Probably not. Okay. How many clients are petrified in retirement for the government raise? Most of the time they go to do tax things. They pick on those wealthy folks who aren't retired, making tons of money, yada, yada, yada. And maybe a few retirees who are pretty wealthy get zapped. But think about that. That's just not how it is, basically. If you're going hunting, you go hunting where the ducks are. And the ducks are not retired folks in, in low income brackets already. Okay. They're probably just going to make those brackets so high for the higher earners. I think. So what's the moral of the story here? I think the moral of the story is that you, if you take a look at the tax, the I think even the marginal rate, forget that. Look at your blended tax rate. Okay, your blended tax rate, okay, if it's $70,000 and you're a single person, is like 4%. Okay, if you're in retirement, so you're going to do a Roth, you're going to do a Roth IRA to save money on a 4%. No, it doesn't make any sense. What's your income in retirement going to be? Yeah, okay, probably lower. And if you're looking at the blended rate, probably even lower than that. But I guess my point is, for most folks, I don't think Roth IRAs are appropriate. There are certain circumstances and certain people. And yeah, I've got money in a Roth 401k as a hedge. Exactly. I don't know where things are going. I'm not sure if I'm partially retired or partially working sometimes. But the bottom line is I get the hedge part. Absolutely. And the, the probably the most common use that we have for Roths are folks who have a, they're eating off their capital. You want to explain that for a minute? I'm doing a lot of talking here. So give an example of where it makes sense. We have a bunch of people who just retired and they're living on cash, for example. Okay. Okay. I guess, I I think where you're going, and just to step back, people over time, 
often accumulate different pots of money. They might have retirement money, which is an IRA or a 401k, and that's typically pre-tax dollars that they put away before they paid any taxes on it, and then when they take it out, they're going to have to pay taxes. So that's your retirement pot. So that's your retirement money. Then you have your cash in the bank, which a lot of times is just your safety net. That's your emergency money. So we don't count that for income. And then if you have some, and then maybe you have, like, I I know your term is money in the middle. Money in the middle. Money in the middle. And that can be like a brokerage account. That can be in in an individual's name or a couple's name. And that's dollars that you've already paid taxes on some of it. But but there's some of if you take some money out you pay a little bit of taxes yeah. in, the, in the way of capital gains perhaps and so it's it's nice to have those different places to pull from and then a Roth would be another example yeah. of a, just a different place to pull money from yeah. so that when you're trying to figure out how much you need for income and where you're going to pull it from you can try to massage where you are yeah. tax bracket wise yeah. if you're in a place where that becomes important yeah it's think about it this way <clears throat> if you retire and for the first year in retirement, you could just live off some other money, not in a retirement plan, not in your emergencies. What's your tax bracket? It's like zero. If you're going to have a year where your tax bracket is really low, it, then you can convert some of your- Why not take some money out? Yeah. Why not take some money out at a lower rate because your tax bracket's going up the next year? But that's when you know it's going down, okay? And that's rare, but that's a we do we sneak around those tax dodges all the time. People who do that. It's, yeah, like you said, it's a- rare-ish circumstance where people have that flexibility where they don't need to take money out. Yeah. But if they can, and try to beat the tax code a little bit. Why not? Why not? Perfectly legal. We have a caller. Let's go to Tom in Kingston. This must be the Tom. Good morning, Tom. How are you today? This is the Tom from (laughs) Kingston. (laughs) What's going on? Doing good. I'm a little confused now. Yep. My understanding of a Roth, if I put in X amount of money when I'm younger, in my 20s and 30s, and when it comes time that I want to withdraw money out of there at my retirement age, it's all tax-free. That's correct. Okay, so if I put in X amount of money at the end, I have 300000 sitting in there. Yep. I could take it out, and I don't have to pay taxes on it? Yep. Yep. Okay, good. Versus if you have a traditional IRA, you put the same amount of money in there. Stop right there. Not the same amount. Okay, with the traditional IRA, if you put $10,000 in there, it's $10,000. But by the way, the money you put in a Roth, you already paid taxes on. Correct. Okay, so if you're in the 30% bracket, okay, you're only putting a 70 cent dollar in your Roth time. So it's a different race because you have 100 cent dollars in the, if you defer it growing, you only have 70 cent dollars going in a Roth. Okay, let, let me try it my way a sure. little bit here. Okay. So I put in ten thousand dollars, yep. and at the end of when I get to retirement, I yep. have a hundred thousand. <clears throat> yep. When I start withdrawing that money, all that money is taxable. Yep. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct. And if I put it into a Roth instead and invested it and got the same amount of money, all that would have been tax-free. You would not get the same amount of money. You just started with seven thousand. If we're using a ten thousand dollar in a regular IRA. Okay, then you have to put 7000 in a Roth to be in the same place because it's after-tax okay. money. Okay. okay, so you only have 7000 growing, not ten. Okay. Okay, but it really depends on your bracket now and your bracket later. And you truly believe that the retirees, <clears throat> like you and I, are not going to be taxed at okay. a higher rate? Uh, has, it hap- has it happened yet? 
No, but I've never seen the rate. I've never seen the $31 trillion in debt yeah. rate uh, either. I had a mentor a long time ago in education, and his favorite phrase is, you go hunting where the ducks are. Okay, where are the ducks who pay taxes? They're not retired mm-hmm. folks. When seventy median income in this country is seventy thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, so a, a couple retired, maybe earning seventy thousand. Those aren't the ducks you go shooting for. You go shooting for the high earners, okay, who are working and making well, rich folks. That definition's pretty fuzzy, but okay. I, I can't. By the way, who votes more? People who are retired, Tom. Or not, okay? You get that right. Yeah, yeah. but politicians aren't going to mess with retired old gray folks in retirement because we we mass and we vote and they're scared to death. So it has not happened yet. If they're going to raise taxes, if you're in retirement, I think you're not going to be picked on unless you're a pretty wealthy retiree. And then, hey, I guess you get what you deserve, depending on who you're talking to in the politics realm. I talked to the younger generations, teenagers into early 20s, still living at home with mommy and daddy, not paying rent. Yep. All that good stuff. I said, now is your time to start building that little nest egg and go ahead and start putting into a Roth. Yeah, by the way, so that's an exception, and thank you for bringing that up. Kurt? Yeah, and that was a good point, Tom, especially for... For a young kiddo that's maybe just starting and working part time, and maybe they're, if they're in a zero percent tax bracket, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Now you can forget about Mike's comments, and now you are starting in the same place. Yep. Uh-huh. Good. Goodbye. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, so Tom, that's a good example. But okay. think about this. So we're having an academic discussion about young people who are just starting out in life who are probably not in high tax brackets anyway, okay? And so I, I I understand that, okay? But here's a question. So if you're just starting out in life and you're not making a lot of money, how much money do you think you can save and put away in a Roth? In the real world? No, not much. Those people are struggling, Tom. So we academically, yes, in the real world, I don't know what percentage of young people actually do that. That's all. Good point. Unless they I understand a little bit better. I thought you were trying to say in the beginning that Roth is a bad investment. You're Tom. in different te- So you're talking about the first amount of money you put in yeah. th- th- into a Roth. Yep. You're losing... Thirty percent or Tom, whatever it is. Tom, think about this. If you're a $70,000 income, your tax okay. bill was $2,000. You want to do a Roth to save two, and okay, and it doesn't make any sense given the circumstances. Okay? Okay. All right, got to run. And John, John from Bye-bye. Marshfield, hang in, and we'll be right back. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. I think we're back. Son of a gun, already. We have a caller. Let's go to John in Marshfield. Good morning, John. How are you today? Really good. Hey, I'm really glad to hear Mike make the point about traditional IRAs because it's really misunderstood. And I think that it takes an old timer like me and me or you <laughs> to understand. <laughs> I'm not going to say government conspiracy here, by the way, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're a couple years older too, Mike. But let's just—we're on the same boat here. Yep, yep. Uh, to understand the power of compounding and deferral, don't let guesses about future tax rates convolute 
an obvious truth. Sad. Um, Sad. And here's the thing, Mike, to rephrase what you've been trying to say, and I think people don't understand, is imagine you've got, after you can contribute, figure your costs and expenses of living, let's say you can put aside seven grand extra, right? Okay. If you do that in a Roth, you can get $7,000. If you do that in a traditional, you could get 10000 and the benefit of adding an extra 40% in your account yep. compounded over a lifetime, <laughs> I don't even need to know. You're just wasting your time with future tax rates. Good tax point. me at 90%, I'm going to beat you. And I say this as someone who's lived this. My last contribution in IRA was at age 43. And right now, I have an issue of trying to deal with very large tax bills because the account is so large. By the way, I'm going to touch on that after you hang up, by the way. Thank you for bringing that up. Absolutely. Go ahead. So again, and here's a guy like a Warren Buffett made his fortune by getting the other end of liabilities. Yep. By you know, People are so afraid of a tax bill that they let it really stand in the way of common sense. If you're younger... And you're picking an, a Roth to put seven thousand in rather than ten thousand in a traditional. You will be poorer when you're older. I can guarantee that. <laughs> and you know, you, the other thing is, you can manage your tax bill easily. I'm paying okay, fourteen, fifteen percent taxes. Fifty years later. Yep. Yep. And God, might I might have guessed wrong? I could have been paying twenty percent. I, I just think people miss the forest for the trees in this discussion. And I really appreciate pointing out because the common thing is you do a Roth. The Roth makes a lot of sense, but it's not going to make you wealthier. Yeah, I, I, if that matters. No, you, and you said that very well. I like to say don't comp you got a hundred cent dollar in the deferred place and you got a 70 cent dollar don't tell me it's an even race okay but it really does depend on the bracket at the end but by the way so you run at the time too yeah and how and much the time, time too exactly okay so i don't have a problem with it by the way you, you mentioned this and so i'll make some assumptions here on occasion again roths are for some people but the percentage of people and the percentage of circumstances is weeny teeny compared to most people listening to this show but anyway so we, we do some fairly serious financial planning for most of the folks we work with okay and we get into some situations with some people who don't need all of the money that gets sent out of their retirement plans i know that's a unique it's not for yeah. us unique but you sound like you might be one of them okay so if you have this humongous nest egg okay right. and all of a sudden you got to be take out x amount of dollars because you're this old and whatever okay there may be more money coming out of there than you actually need to use, and it's called the government getting back at you given the circumstances. So, by the way, so one of the things we do with some of the folks is we see that happening, okay, and sometimes we can sneak money out of a, an IRA even if they don't need it at a lower bracket, okay, and then shrink the size of that 401k pot down the line. So we do that fa fairly regularly. So we, it, it's okay even if you don't need money. If you can take money out of a 401k at 15%, okay, and you're going to pay later at 22, what, why wouldn't you do it now given the mm -hmm. circumstances? A, you'd beat the tax spread by doing that right now, and B, your nest egg is a bit smaller because you did that, and maybe that over 
overage is a little bit less given the circumstance. But that's a, what percentage of people in America are exposed to that? It's probably not a high percentage. Relatively small. Yeah. I mean, okay. John, you made some great points. Do you have anything else you want to say or bring up? Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. But the thing is, your ability to manage that tax bill yeah. can't be underestimated. You just mentioned one example. Like, I just basically, my income is determined by the Irma brackets. I go up to within a couple thousand dollars of wherever I'm going to get nailed yeah. by the government. Yeah. And so I just do that. And the point is, other than required minimum distributions, which now get like at 73, yeah. there's not a lot of required use of that money. You have a lot of flexibility, and even the RMDs are such a low percentage that it's not going to affect me at all. I just take out a certain amount every year, up to X amount, and that's it. I, it's not as complicated as people think. And I, <laughs> Agreed. The younger you are, the younger you are, the more what we're talking about. And the reason that I just, I see this, and I think Mike does, is we've seen what a generation of deferral does, and it really is vastly underestimated. Yeah, I, one other point. Okay, so if, John, I'll ask you for a guess. So you go to this cocktail party, bunch of friends and okay. neighbors, you know most of those folks. Okay, there's 20 people there. Okay, what? either what percentage or how many of those 20 people do you think actually know their tax bracket and actually know how many real dollars they paid in federal and state taxes last year? Give me a guess. <laughs> I'm thinking like 0.8. There you go. We're uh-huh. in the same ballpark. My point is, very few people know exactly what their tax bill is and or what their bracket is. And the retired folks are more petrified than anybody because they're retired. They're not working anymore. But their assumption is that they're in a high tax bracket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, people are in a lot lower tax They're always in a high tax, but they think they are. Yeah. Go ahead. But the one, thing, one point I just want to emphasize is, I'm using my case as an example. I was not a super high-income person. But, like, I was in a position years ago where I had about seven grand I could put aside. That seven grand bought me ten grand of IRA. Yep. And if I did a Roth, by the way, Roths weren't available then, but if I did a yep. Roth, I would probably have half as much money as I do today. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's and, interesting. And so I'm willing to be twice as wealthy and deal with the tax bill. Yeah. I don't care what the tax bill is. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, again, it's that generational compounding and deferral. Yeah. But, by the way, your phrase, you, you, so you weren't in a super high income tax bracket. By the way, if you don't have a super high expense bracket, you can actually save money. So it, it, everything is relative given the circumstances. You're right. You don't have to be rich to save money. You just have to live within your means. It's unbelievable. Boy, we really pushed your button this morning. John. Thanks for calling. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> hey, listen, call right. anytime. I've enjoyed this, okay? <laughs> All right, bye-bye. Good point. Okay, so, yep, I, I could say it's a government conspiracy to confuse people because they need some money. I, I think it is unwise for a very high percentage of the folks listening to us to consider a Roth IRA. It is certainly an appropriate strategy, but all the strategies that we read about and all the things that you can use for them what, 5% of America? 2% of America? I mean, it's certainly... Relatively small. Yeah, it's a relatively small number. We could argue about that forever. Okay. All righty. That was one article. For, that was one? For three quarters of an hour here. I love it. All right. I subscribe to several industry magazines and periodicals, and one of them is a fellow by the name of Bob Virus who has inside information. And he's an old codger like myself, and he's got some pretty good insights about the world. And he has some folks who write articles for him 
so that folks who subscribe to his newsletter think they're getting their money's worth sort of a thing. So this is one of the articles. I'd probably read a couple more here on the show, but this is great. This is about recessions and investing money. Okay. Okay. And this has been a pet peeve of mine for like forever. Okay. So I'll just read it because it's in English, folks. So don't get nervous. <clears throat> Recession returns. What if somebody could tell you the exact date when the next recession will begin so you could get out of the market and wait it out? Wouldn't that be great? You can fantasize about this if you want, but it so happens that sitting on the sidelines during an economic recession is actually bad for your portfolio returns. A study conducted by the mutual fund company called Dimensional Fund Advisors did something very simple. <clears throat> it looked at the start date of all recessions from January 1947 to December 2022. A few years there, right? As announced by the National Bureau of Economic Research. They're the ones who declare the beginning and the end of recession. By the way, always after it happened. Right. By the way, never before. Right. Anyway. <clears throat> then it calculated the returns of the Standard & Poor's 500 index for the ensuing one year, three years, and five years after the recessions were formally declared. So they started, okay, the, this recession started here. Now, my point, folks, is nobody knows when we're in a recession, nope. when it starts, and when it ends. Nope. And to worry about it is a fool's errand. That's the macroeconomic point here, just in case you're curious. Okay, so anyway, so what they did is they said, ah, we'll go all the way back to 1947. We'll pick the official declared date, which is historically accurate because it's pretty easy to be smart. It's known now. When you're looking yeah, backwards. Yeah. And they said, what happened to the stock market one year, three years, and five years after the recessions were formally declared? Finally, it averaged those returns to show how investor portfolios, on average, fared during those times when the economy was in the tank. All right. The result was not encouraging to those who planned to move to the sidelines during a recession. Oh, what a newsflash. On average, one-year market returns after the start of a recession came to a decently positive 6.4%. Three-year returns and five-year returns. Let's see, so three-year returns, 43.7% over three years. You divide that by three, that's a pretty good number. And the five-year returns, 70%. Divide that by five, that's a pretty good number. Mm -hmm. So the day, if you invested the day that the recession began, you had a pretty handsome return in any of those. <clears throat> All right, looking over the data, the researchers noticed that markets have, on average, tend to experience most of their bear market declines before recessions were announced. Remember, we don't know when they start. We don't know when they end. We don't know how big or bad they're going to be. I, if you go through the newspaper, financial news at any given date, 15% of the articles are on the recession and what to do about this, that, and the other thing. Okay. So the markets tended to trend upwards during the recession, perhaps because investors anticipated that it would end soon and good times would restore corporate health. The bottom line is pretty clear. Even if you knew the exact date and time of a recession okay, to be announced, and you don't, the future market movements would still be uncertain and, on average, counterintuitive. Better to throw dice or darts or examine turtle shells to find out what's coming in the future. 
Okay, so let's see the macroeconomic points here, folks. Let's get to the big picture. Nobody has a clue about the future. Okay, don't you can look back and kick yourself for what you should have done, and you can be really smart looking backwards, folks. But nobody has a clue about the future. Okay, so get used to that. And recessions, they're a natural part of what goes on in, in a capitalistic world. Sometimes we get a little too greedy and a little too silly and things go in the tank for whatever. So they, they, they just come with the deal. But I've always said it, it doesn't matter, okay? If you do, if you invest over a long enough period of time, you're making a broad bet on the future of the U.S. economy, Eh, been a pretty good bet for a long time, sort of a thing. So don't tell me that the recession's coming. I want to get out of the market. Or I want to. It, 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 yeah, it's just silly. It's when, just silly. when do you want to get back in? Yeah, exactly. Okay. When you move out of a market, you probably did it after it went down. I think about moving out of a market when it's in high. So let me think about this. So <clears throat> you move out of a market. After it went down, hello, on the way down, on yeah. the way down, yeah. or maybe at the bottom, who knows, right? Yeah. You move out of market, and you're going to sit in the sidelines until things get better. So let's see if the Dow. I'm making up numbers. If the Dow Jones is thirty-three thousand now, I think that's about where it is. Yeah, okay, and you think it's going lower, and you get out. So yeah, about thirty-three seven. Yeah. All right, so it's thirty-three thousand. You think the world's going to come to an end, and you're going to get out. So before you get out, so here's my question: So when do you want to get back in? And the people are going to say well, things get better. Okay, if the if three months from now, the Dow Jones is twenty-five thousand, are things better? No, no. Okay, if three months from now the Dow Jones is forty thousand, are things better? Oh, yeah. Okay. So technically, yes. Yes. So, so yeah. <laughs> technically, yeah. Right. I'm being silly with the numbers, yes, but I yes. think people understand that. So let's see. You got out after it went down because you were nervous after the fact. And you got back in after it went up because you got greedy after the fact. How'd you do on that? If you get out at 33 and back in at 40,000, you just shot your returns in the foot. We, we see that o over time. Ab absolutely shoot your returns in the foot. So if you're an investor, it's pretty simple. Okay, if you invest in a bunch of diversified companies all over the planet in the form of mutual funds, and if you hang on to them long enough, the world economy probably is, gets better all the time after it goes up and down. Okay, and long-term investing odds, I can't guarantee this, but they look at, they're certainly a lot higher, okay, for most folks than they are trying to play the I'm in, I'm out, I'm guessing thing. So, the, again, I get excited when I think about this. The macroeconomic point is you don't know the future, okay? You're probably going to do the wrong thing. I have a good article about that coming up. Okay. So, okay, you're probably going to do the wrong thing at the wrong time and shoot yourself in the foot. And you just need to get educated about what this investment stuff should be, from my point of view. Your comments on that, anything? I think that happens a lot. You know exactly what you said. And people get nervous when they see things go down. And they, I think it's just the psychology. I think it's normal psychology. Yeah that people feel like once they see a trend going down, they worry that's gonna happen for the rest of their lives. Yeah. I think it's just the way their brain works. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And, and then they say, so I, I can't stomach that. You yeah. know, I can't watch my yeah. money yeah. go down yeah. every week or yeah. month or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't do it. Yeah. And I don't wanna be part of that cycle or that market until it looks better. Yeah. And But all that means is, <laughs> all that means is, Selling low and Hello. buying high, Hello. and that's. Okay. But as you just you want to try to protect yourself, but often at a cost. Yeah, at a financial cost. Very severely at a financial cost. 
it's just amazing how that works from my point of view. But anyway, stay invested, stay diversified. <clears throat> a long-term trend, which has been, everybody looks at those mutual fund charts that go back 25 or 30 years. And what do they do? Yeah, they go up. Yeah, but And I think, yeah, and that's, Nobody knows the future. Yep. We will be the first to say that we don't know the future. But I think, I think, because I think that would be a common maybe pushback, right? Yeah. Is, well, how do you know, how do you know that it's going to continue to go up? Yeah. People, how many people? Yeah. You know, let's see. The people don't ask me anymore. But like, when's the market going to go up? I have no clue. When's the market going? I have no clue. Hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can you can't predict it, but you can plan for it, basically. Yeah. 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 I think, like you said, be. Being having your money spread out and, yeah. and diversified, yeah. and having faith in capitalism, yeah. right? That's all. We, yeah. Those are the kind of the tenets of what how we operate. Yeah. By the way, what, one I'll leave this <laughs> topic with one real life example. Okay. So, are you getting ready for the fall of 2024? You bracing? Am I? Yeah. For, N- no. Okay. So let's see. There's a presidential election oh. going on. Yeah. Okay. That ends in November. I know we'll talk about it, but it, it will be meaningless yeah, in, yeah, the yeah, end, uh, in the uh, end. In the end. Yeah. But how many? Okay, fo- folks. We have pretty well trained and yeah. educated folks we work with because we made it a point to do. But <clears throat> what I got probably eight or ten calls the last election. People jumping off a cliff because mm-hmm. the world was going to come to an end, or the election before that, sort of a thing. And so a very good example. Uh, looking into the future and predicting stuff that you don't know about. Okay, presidential elections, and they certainly have been unpleasantly exciting, okay, depending on... It it doesn't make any difference what party you're in or however Mm -hmm. that works, but that's the next big, okay, event other than market crashes in the meantime sort of a thing. But anyway, that's just how it is. I can't wait. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I hear you. Okay, so actually, it's not much of a big deal from our point of view, but there's a whole lot of people that are concerned about it. Sure. Alright, okay, let's see. Should I do a longie or should I do a shorty? Yeah, I think I got time for a longie. We'll see how it goes. About eight minutes. Okay, alright. So, Again, there's a fella named Dave Ramsey, who's a financial guru. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to put the word expert on my business card. What do you think? Do you think I think I can get away with that. I'm not sure how that works. I don't know. I, I know it's a <clears throat> anyway. As long so, as you put some disclosures, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. I'm an expert, but I'm not an expert. That, that, I don't know. That would be the disclosure. I don't well, know. I, I, I don't in know. My, and then, just in my opinion, I'm an expert. Yeah, yeah. I always wondered about that. Anyway, but when I first broke into the business, if you became a vice president. You were smart, but thing. It just wasn't entitled. And anyway, never, never mind. Okay, so this fellow Dave Ramsey has a talk show on TV, and I've never watched it, but he pops up in the media all the time. And he's, I agree with a, a bunch of things he says. Not always, okay. <clears throat> and this is from the Street, which I grabbed out of Yahoo Finance. Dave Ramsey has blunt words about one major money mistake. We have to blow things up to exciting levels to get people to read them. But anyway, okay. Personal finance experts have long lists of money issues people have to make decisions about. They see common mistakes made on a regular basis. They have a wide range of opinions on how to handle them. Okay. In an exclusive interview with the streets editor-in-chief Sarah Silverstein, author and radio host Dave Ramsey revealed the most common mistake he sees people repeatedly making. Okay, Of all the people that you've mentored over the years, 
what is the biggest mistake that this is the interviewer what is the biggest mistake that you see over and over again that you wish you can help people get over Silverstein asked <clears throat> Ramsey offered an answer that was more about personal discipline than financial technicalities okay I think folks continue to try to fix the money thing with math he said and I'm a math nerd I'm formally trained in finance I've got a finance degree this is Dave Ramsey okay I've got all of these letters and licenses and crap after my name <laughs> that say I say that once in a while don't I <laughs> that's whenever I lose playing Mexican train I've got initialed after my <laughs> name what I must be smart or something <laughs> anyway I've got all of these letters and licenses and crap after my name that says I'm supposed to know something about this he added and it turns out that personal finance is 80% behavior and 20% head knowledge and math. I love that. Mm. Folks, let me read that again. We're going to pound this to death until the commercial here. And it turns out that personal finance is 80% behavior and 20% head knowledge. Okay? Ramsey said the most important issue with money is often a behavioral one. The problem with my money is the guy I shave with. I can get this guy in the mirror to be... If I can get this guy in the mirror to behave... He can be skinny and rich, he said, but he's got issues and it's a problem. And once people get that idea that you can't fix this with math, you can't fix it with get rich quick, you can't fix it with a secret. Ah, okay, that, that's like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, oh, an event or it's a, a big emotional time. Like an epiphany? Epiphany, thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you. Okay, so let me say this again. And once people get <clears throat> that idea that you can't fix this with math, you can't fix it with get rich quick, and you can't fix it with a secret, they have an epiphany. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Ramsley, Ramsey transitioned into talking about how important it is to create and live within a budget. There, There's not a secret. It's controlling yourself and saying, I'm going to live on less than I make intentionally with a plan called a budget, he said. And I'm going to systematically get out of debt, build savings, build investments, increase my generosity as a series of intentional acts, incremental acts over time. The personal finance personality then discussed the possibilities for the future once living on a budget became a behavioral norm. No, no complex trigonometry here or calculus or algebra. Okay, <laughs> money goes in, money goes out. Addition and arithmetic. Addi additions are simple, really simple arithmetic. It's the math, it's the behavior, sort of a thing. <clears throat> and these are the people that have well-rounded, solid marriages. Okay, he's going a little far afield here. Their kids still like them, and they become multimillionaires. And it's very possible. It's very probable. Anyone can do it, but the problem, the reason most people don't, is most of us refuse to face the guy in the mirror, okay? All right, so I'll stop there for a moment because we've only got two minutes to make the macroeconomic point, okay? If there's one thing, okay, that people should do in their lives, 
everybody. It's live within your means. That's those three words are. You, I think we could stop right there. Uh, uh, yeah, we can just. I'll just. We can play music for the rest of the show, and, or we'll just drop. Play, drop the mic. Wait a minute. Om live within your means. Om <laughs> live within your means. Some, something like that. I, I don't know. Okay. Every once in a while, somebody walks in our door we never met before, and we can help them a little, but not very much. Because they already did all the things that they were supposed to do, even though they don't know much about investing. Yeah. It was their behavior. They lived within their means, okay, whether they had a budget that they paid attention to or just said, I'm not going to let my charge card balance get above zero sort of a thing. And I know I need to be yeah. saving some money. Yeah, so if you're living within your means, by the way, if you live at your means, you're in trouble. Okay, but if you're living within your means, that means you're probably accumulating money. And then the big thing is when they retire, they're still living within their means and they can't spend all the money they have because it's really cool. I, I need to finish that up when, after the break here, but I think you got the point. Live within your means, own. Live within your means, own. Take a break. Mm-hmm. 